Oh, hello folks. Pete Troopers with Starting Strength. We've added a few new events to the list that I want to let you know about. As usual, we have our seminars on the schedule. Next one up is going to be in Wichita Falls on December 6th through the 8th. And we're over in Vegas on February 7th through the 9th. And we're back in Wichita Falls on March 6th through the 8th. And over on the East Coast at Woodmere Fitness in Woodmere, New York. April 17th through the 19th. For training camps coming up, we still have our international camp on December 15th in Seoul, South Korea, covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift. On December 15th as well, we have Woodmere, New York, hosting a squat and deadlift camp at Woodmere Fitness. That one's almost sold out with a couple spots left, so we went ahead and added another squat and deadlift camp on February 23rd at Woodmere Fitness as well. Then we'll be down in Orlando, Florida on January 25th for a squat and deadlift camp. If you're looking to become a starting strength coach or just improve your coaching in general, we have some coaching development camps on the list. On January 26th, we'll be in Dallas, Texas at Starting Strength Dallas, covering the power clean and how to coach that. Then down in Houston, Texas on February 22nd, covering how to coach the squat. Then over to the West Coast in Villa Park, California on March 21st, cover how to coach the power clean. Our last few camps and nutrition camps on the list will be in San Diego on January 11th at Valens Strength. Then we're up in Woodmere again on January 26th for a nutrition camp there. Then finally back to Houston on February 1st at Starting Strength Houston for our final nutrition camp on the list. For details and registration information, head over to startingstrength.com and check the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, Starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Good Friday to you. Uh, glad you've chosen to spend your Friday with us. And uh, hopefully we'll make it worth your time today. Today we're going to do a Q&A. You occasionally send in useful questions. And we occasionally, recognizing the value of those questions will actually use them as the basis for the show. Now, this is important because it keeps me from having to think of something clever to do, and it addresses some of the concerns that uh, you may actually have. So we've been collecting these for about a month, and today we're going to deal with some of them. But first, comments from the haters. Uh, Maximus Cerealius says, hope no one paid money for this. This is in regards to, uh, what's that in regards to Santana's carbs thing? I guess I don't hope no one paid money for this. Maybe, I don't know. Hell, it was something that, yeah, it was probably the nutrition camp video. Hope no one paid money for this. Well, Max, they did. <laughs> As a matter of fact, some of them paid quite a bit of money for it. In fact, we charged for the camp by weight. If you're a fat guy like me, you paid a lot of money for it. If you're a skinny person, like no doubt you are, Maximus Cerealius, we paid you to come. But on net, yeah, people paid for it. <laughs> Tyler Jenkins says, bitchy old men. One word, oldman. Like Gary, Gary Oldman. Like Gary Oldman. This is in response to my putting your plates on the bar the wrong way or something. 
right? Here, Neil Colligan says, Rip, you look like an alcoholic. Did you have half a liter of bourbon on your Cheerios? <laughs> well, gosh, Neil, if, if you have to have half a liter of bourbon to be an alcoholic, I'm not an alcoholic yet. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. This one is funny. Uh, this is from Fat Rip. Why does a man who insists on being called Rip, lame, am I right, happens not to be ripped? Mark, you're a fat and ugly. <laughs> Why is it? Maybe you guys understand something here that I don't. Why is it that the Internet is obsessed with the fact that a 63-year-old man has a little pot belly. <laughs> do, you, do you understand why that would be? Because <laughs> I really don't know. Oh, God. I could still see my TT, though. That's because I have a big TT, oh, though. God. And to be honest... <laughs> So, that concludes comments from the haters. Okay, now, we got a bunch of stuff to do today, a whole bunch of stuff. And what, what's interesting is uh, this, this came in today. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and uh, tell you people we're shooting this on a Tuesday afternoon. And this morning, I got a post on the board that's you know this big long post on the board and i looked at it and i read it through in disbelief and i thought you know instead of typing all of the shit it would take to respond to this amazingly weird ass post i thought i'd just deal with it here and now all right because it it it's just so strange that this was posted on my on our board. I don't understand why a lot of stuff gets on our board. You know, with, to begin with, we we've always uh, made it clear that since the inception of this board back in two thousand seven, uh, that the board was primarily designed to clear things up that you guys wanted to discuss that weren't dealt with in the book. But, you know, as as the system has grown in popularity and more and more people are watching podcasts, more and more people are aware of it, uh, of us at startingstrength.com, uh, we've, we get posts that reflect the fact that you have not got the slightest idea what we're doing. Not the slightest idea of what we're doing. So this is a perfect example of that. Okay. So R-M-I-F-A-A-B-S-B-B, which is a obviously an acronym of some sort. Or unless it's, I don't know, maybe it's some kind of code. Uh, this is the guy's username. Hello, Rip. It's been two months. I feel great. I'm stronger. I look better. This is working. 
And for the first time, I feel like I belong at the gym compared to the past less than one month attempts when I hated going each single time. I don't want to get overconfident, though, so I want to kind of present what I'm learned as an average Joe, hoping that there are no pitfalls in my knowledge or mindset. As we'll see, there are. Also, my goals are build lower body strength with squats, eventually move to exclusively weighted body weight exercises for upper body. I basically want to be impressive above the bar and below it. Also, stats. Here are his statistics. You hadn't read this yet, have you? I haven't read this, that part. This, yeah, this, this is... Uh, right, his body weight right now is 79 kilos. I'd say he weighs about 175. Right? He's six foot, 175. Skinny boy. He's six foot, 175. Uh, his squats over two months have gone from 40 kilos to 80 kilos. From 88 to 176. All right? Now, Bree, your grandmother could have done that in two months. Your 93-year-old grandmother, whose the skin is sloughing off of her legs, could have done that in, in a couple of months. Right? His overhead press went from 25 kilos, which is 55 pounds, to 40 kilos, which is 88 pounds. His bench press went from 30 kilos, 66 pounds, to 50 kilos, 110 pounds, bench press, for a 176-pound guy in two months. So, All right. Has he has he been following? Obviously, he hasn't. Been obviously, he hasn't been following anything. We, you know, no. But is he saying he has? I, I don't know. I, you know, it's, I'm confused. Also, I, I it's been two months. This is working. He says this is working on our board. So I'm assuming, and I may be wrong in this, that he thinks that he's doing our program. Uh and he's posting it on our board, making comments like that. But to continue, his T-bar row is he's gone from 30 kilos, from 66 pounds to 45 pounds, which is 99 pounds. 45 kilos is 99 pounds in two months, a T-bar row. Now, the word T-bar row does not even appear anywhere in the blue book. As we don't use that stupid-ass exercise for lots and lots of good reasons. Now, his push-ups have gone from 7 reps to 23 reps, which may explain why his bench press has only gone up 20 kilos in two months. Uh, his dips have gone from no dips to 3 reps. And his chin-ups have gone from four reps to 12 reps. So he's not doing the program. and uh, But he's, he's thoughtfully given us 20 wisdoms 
that he considers true for now. Okay? This is the fascinating part of this stuff, is that somehow he's able to draw these conclusions. All right? Uh, one, workouts must be goal-specific. Even variations of a single exercise should be dependent on your goals. If the goal is to be good at Olympic lifting, front squats and high bar squats, power lifters should go for the low bar squat as it engages more muscle. If you don't have specific goals, you can mix it up sometimes, but not too often. Now, that's the most bizarre thing I think I've ever read. All right. The goal of a novice is to get stronger, all right? Stronger. He wants to talk about the squat. So which version of the squat makes you stronger? The one that allows you to lift more weight makes you stronger, right? Front squats and high bar squats are not that version of the squat. Uh, he thinks that power lifters use the low bar squat, which is true occasionally but certainly not most of the time most power lifters especially in the suit and wraps federations use a high bar position with this vertical torso and wide stance on the ship okay uh so he, he doesn't know anything about that but workouts must be goal specific well that's true what should the goal of strength training be stronger and what is stronger production of more force against an external resistance which means more weight on the bar you know with the caveat that you must involve the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion right well that's the low bar squat um Two, your body mechanics might prevent you from performing certain exercises well, in which case you should change up the variation of the exercise. For example, short torso and long femur makes the bar, the low bar a bit awkward since you have to lean forward way more or spread your knees way more, which affects your hip position and demands way more mobility. In this case, you'll feel better with a high bar squat. Well, uh... Your body mechanics might prevent you from doing things if you are such a tail-residing outlier that, you know, you're just, you know, not describable as normal human anthropometry. All right. We do seminars every month, and we've got 25, 30 people in the seminar every month and we never have to put the bar high on anybody unless they're an old person with extremely beat up shoulders and in those situations where the bar cannot be placed in the low bar position we use the high bar position because we're not stupid all right but this amazing piece of truth here is just once again bullshit okay compound movements are king Isolations are done only after. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And that's why we don't have any isolation movements in the program. Right? We don't have any isolation movements in the program for that reason. You're right. Number four, high weights, explosive, fewer reps for strength. 
lots of slow reps, lower weights for size. Uh, this is standard misunderstanding of hypertrophy, volume, nonsense. The internet just won't go away, will it? Right? It, it isn't amazing what, what happens when you get your three sets of five from 135 up to 405? What happens to your leg? What happens to your thigh? They, they, they get bigger. They get bigger. <laughs> they, they, tend to, they tend to get bigger. You know, when they do any 10s or 12s or 14s or whatever. It's like muscles need or, to get or bigger 9s. It's, it's almost like if you ask muscles to lift heavier weights, they adapt by growing. It's almost, you know, and it, it, that fives work just fine for that. Isn't that amazing? How if you get your, your sets of five up to 785, you'll have great big legs. I'm not doing... 11s or anything bizarre like that. Uh, okay, he's learned this in two months, by the way. This, these are truths he's learned in two months. All right, uh, explosiveness and momentum are two different things. Pauses are important. Explosiveness and momentum are two different things. Well, he's had high school physical science. That's good. If I can't do it right... I either lower the weights until I can do it right, work on mobility, or don't do the exercise at all. <laughs> That's always an option, I suppose. Just fuck it. Just fuck it. Fuck it, I'm done. These squats, I'm, can't do them right? They're hard. I'm done. No, I got to do them. I don't need this shit. Right? <laughs> I wonder if... Uh, Maybe some coaching would be warranted on occasion, huh? Uh, Injury and weakness are two different things. This is number seven, by the way. Injury and weakness are two different things. Weakness is there to be fixed. Injury should be treated as the doctor advises. If your lower back is weak, you should train it. Instead of being afraid of injuries, if I'm careful, I'll be fine. Uh. I wonder if he's considered the possibility that weak structures tend to get injured more than strong structures do. All right, eight. He'll learn that one next month. Yeah, that's next month. That's his third month of training. All right, eight. Don't do 50 exercises. Just do five to ten of them intensely. Ten? Yeah, is, is he talking like in one workout? I don't. You do ten. I, I don't know. Remember, this is the guy that's doing T-bar rows and push-ups and dips and chin-ups and all this other shit. And you know, it might, it might be in one workout. Might be. Uh, whey protein is convenient, not a replacement for food. You don't need forty protein shakes every day. I just use whey protein when I feel that my protein intake was low for that day. Or I can't be bothered to cook. All right. I'll give him that one. one. Yep. Uh, Active recovery is underrated. Does magic to progress. No, sir. Active recovery is a waste of time. 
If you want to get recovered, rest. Active recovery is conventional wisdom, ex-fizz bullshit. If you need to recover, actively recovering does not make you recover faster than not doing anything. Rest. Take a nap. Take a nap. Have a beer. Watch a good movie. Like uh, James Bond's that first, the first one with Daniel Craig. Just oh, got through watching that Casino again. Royal. Casino Royale. Yeah. God, that's a good movie. It is fantastic. That's a fabulous movie. Just watch that instead of actively recovering. All right. The best workout method is consistency. Well, I don't know if that's a workout method. Uh, I would certainly agree that consistency, not missing workouts, is a real good idea. But see, now we're going to, you know, light day. What are you going to do about light day? You know, that's active recovery, right? This guy's been training two months and he needs active recovery. All right. Most supplements are unnecessary. I'll give you that. I'll give him that. All right. A good workout is the one where you accomplish your goals for the day. And that's. That's obviously Two logical. Months. Two months. I would like to know if you've actually applied that to your training because here you are at six foot and 175 pounds. You've put 40 kilos on your squat in two months. You've put 30 kilos, 20 kilos on your bench press in two months. And I just, I don't see this being applied diligently here. Does he say how old he is? The goals. No, now. That's kind of important. It is important. Now, this guy could be 64. Okay. I hadn't considered that possibility. Maybe he's 64. But here's the thing. Guys that are doing this shit that are 64 are always happy to tell you they're 64. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the first thing they tell you. Man, I'm 64. Right? So let's cap. It's like, it's like a CrossFitter. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the first thing they're going to do? Well, yeah, CrossFit. So let's say, let's say if he is 64, cool. But if, he's probably not. Probably <laughs> not. No, because he says his girl weighs 55. Yeah, yeah. And from the context of this, I'm assuming that his he means his girlfriend, and 64-year-olds don't tend to have a 55-kilo, 110-pound, 121-pound girlfriends. And um, right? one of the last things he says also will indicate that he's younger. Right. Uh <clears throat> A good workout, all right, now see, this is fascinating. Number 14 is a good workout is the one where you accomplish your goals for the day, but number 15 says, in contrast, I slump for three weeks straight and then progress drastically, unexpectedly. I don't really know why. <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? All right. 16, it doesn't actually take all that long to look good. Not a model, but even two months can be enough to look healthy and athletic. 
At least for me, it was. Well, you know, it doesn't say what has happened to his body weight. But at six foot and 175. He's got abs. He's going to have some abs. There's no doubt about that. He's going to have some abs. And that's what most people mean when they say healthy and athletic, isn't it? Uh, I think popular culture and the visual media that we all consume has taught every single human being on the planet. And this is this started back in the 70s with the muscle magazines, that everybody that's healthy has visible abs. And if you don't have visible abs, you're not healthy, which is just doo-doo. That's just, just, where did that come from? But it won't go away. It, it has adversely impacted a lot of decision-making with respect to training, hasn't it? But it, it's not going away anytime soon. No, Instagram is definitely pushing that, too. Every man should be able to overhead press his significant other. Difficulty may vary. I'm working on it. Young man. You're right. Yeah, that's the one. Here's number 18. This is really good. The bench press is a glorified isolation exercise. He's benching 50 kilos. He's benching 110 pounds. And he thinks the bench press is a glorified isolation exercise. Maybe that's why he's benching. I think maybe it is. 19, always take a dump before squatting or so I'm told. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's available. <laughs> if it's available, take it. If not, don't worry about it. And number 20, Soviet-style stretches my grandpa did are apparently the best way to do it. Nothing static. His grandfather is Russian. I guess. Soviet-style stretches. My grandpa did. The best way. Well, I think you'll agree it's more fun to do it like that than just be typing for 25, 30 minutes. I don't type well. Now, on to the rest of them. The rest of the material here. We need to have that guy on the fucking show. Well, we could we could get him on the show. Let's get him on the show. We could Skype him in for let's, a few minutes. Let's just, no, let's fly him in from Russia. fly him in from <laughs> f- fly him in from Eastern Europe or wherever he is. I do get the impression he's European. Yeah, there's all the yeah. references to kilos and mm-hmm. the Soviet stretches and stuff. I bet the guy is a German. What do you want to bet he's a German oh, national? Talks of kilos. Yeah. Or just a pretentious American, you know, talking in kilos. Okay, now on to, how shall we say, your sent-in questions. These are, we're taking these at reportstartingstrength.com. These get some of it. Uh, radio at startingstrength.com. Is that an active email address? I think all these came from the report. There's a link. There's one that said radio. One there's one customer service. Uh, all of these we will 
will find their way. Here's a radio at startingstrength.com. So all these find their way into the pile unless they're just abject stupidity, and we'll look at them. If they're abject stupidity, uh, they never make it off of the computer. They get, In fact, they get deleted if they're abject stupidity. But, you know, these are pretty good questions. Okay, here's an interesting thing. Okay, like most of your show, was particularly interested in stupid shit, doctors say, but was hoping I could hear something that applies to me specifically. I'm 65, say they always tell you, mm-hmm. right? Pretty damn good shape other than arthritis, stenosis, bulging discs that have finally stopped me. Tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, I'm having four procedures rolled into one at L2, L3. Okay, this guy's having a laminectomy, a discectomy, a foraminoptomy uh, on left side and right side. Uh, all subroot nerves impinged. I've already been already been given the ten pound rule for what seems like what will seem like decades. Do you have any students that have had to make a comeback from these procedures? All right, let me. All right, now this is. Dane has uh, uh, sent this in, and he sent this in on 4 November. So this has been about a month. He's a month post-op now. And uh, this is a pretty damned invasive deal here. You know, I'd be real interested to know what is going on with him because, my God, they have just remodeled his low back. And this is uh, potentially a lot of a lot of trouble. And just to review, back surgery is interesting. About one third of the time, back surgery works. About one third of the time, back surgery produces no benefit at all. And about one third of the time, back surgery makes things worse. Now, I'd like to know which third of the pie he ended up in here. I really would. Uh, I, you know, this is a this is a big major fucking procedure here, Dane, and I wish you good luck. Your functional ability will be largely affected by how much of the musculature of your lumbar area, they had to disrupt getting all of this stuff done. If they chopped up a bunch of erector and just mangled all of that shit up, getting to the structures they needed to repair, uh, it's just going to be a, a long road, a hole here. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to have to train. You know, what are you going to do? You know, not, not trained. You don't want to do that. You know, you don't want to do that. That's why you wrote us. Um, here's to address a similar situation. Uh, Blake tells us, I was told never to deadlift or squat again due to a slightly herniated L5 S1. A slightly herniated L5 S1 is so common 
uh, a situation that it's just that's it's you know pretty much everybody's got a slightly herniated something, you know, and it's never a reason to not squat or deadlift again. It's occurred in May of 2018. That occurred again in January of this year before I had an MRI in April of this year. After blacking out during a 275-pound trap bar pull. Well, I don't know why he blacked out during the trap bar pull. Don't pull on trap bars. It's got nothing to do with your blacking out. It's just stupid, right? MRI showed a degeneration of the disc, but it wasn't severe. Once again, everybody north of the age of about 35 will show upon MRI of the low back, everyone will show some degree or another of disc degeneration. Now, if your neurosurgeon or orthopedic surgeon is uh, in need of some golf clubs, then they will find something to fix that may or may not be associated with the pain or the lack of pain you're experiencing uh, at the time, okay? As a general rule, human backs degenerate. This is normal. It is normal for the human back to degenerate. There are no 60-year-old backs that will MRI and look like 30-year-old backs. There aren't any. It is normal for human backs to degenerate. That does not mean they need to not be trained. It does not, just because your back is getting old doesn't mean it's okay to let it get weak. Why don't you think about it like that? Okay. Uh, and here he goes on to say, I weigh 180 pounds. I was deadlifting 505 and squatting a max of 385. Injured my back initially doing a set of five at 275. It was a light day and didn't have a belt. I believe I injured my back due to me not properly engaging my core. All right. I honestly didn't know about engaging my core until long after injuring it the second time. Okay. So during our instructions, our five part, five part instructions for the deadlift, uh, step number one is to take the stance, which places the middle of the foot directly under the bar. Step number two is to take the grip. And you take the grip without bending your knees. You know, you don't squat down to take the grip. You take the grip with your hips up high. Step number three is bring the knees forward until the shins touch the bar. Now that will make the shins travel about an inch. So we're not lowering the hips very much. Step number four is to squeeze the chest up. Okay, squeeze the chest up. Step number five is to take a big breath, hold it, and drag the bar up the shins. Now, where do you suspect the core gets, what does he call it? Here, engaged. 
Well, when you take a great big breath and prepare to pull 500 pounds off the floor, your core is engaged. Have you, think about this real hard, Blake. When you pulled 500 off of the floor, did were any of your muscles relaxed? I, I don't think so. I don't think they were. I don't think you could relax any of those muscles if you wanted to. All right? Everything's engaged. All right? The C word muscles are engaged just like everything else is. And uh, it's it's just a matter of, of relying on the millions of years of evolution that have taught your DNA how to operate your body. All right? Uh Take a big breath, pull, the core is engaged. All right? And you're interested to know if, uh, it says, the doctor refuses to say it would ever be okay for me to squat and deadlift. You will not go above 225 on squat or deadlift right now because of the fear of hurting it again. All right? Many months research, conflicting information, uh, I just want an answer to this issue. And look, Blake, I understand, man. I, I really do. I know what you're being told. All right. But in the final analysis, your back belongs to you, not your doctor. All right. You go into the gym and you work up to 225. You know, as soon as you can, you get back up to 225. Are you honestly telling me? That you are not ever going to do 230. And that after that, you won't come in the following week and do 235. Really? A man with a 500-pound deadlift is not going to try 240 and then 245 and do 250 and then 255, 260, et cetera, so on and so forth until you're back you know, pretty strong. I don't know if you want to necessarily go to a, go to a meet. You may not be in the mood for that. Although I'll promise you that lots of people at the meet you and enter are in exactly the same boat. You are people have recovered from massive back injuries and pulled great, big, gigantic weight with what would be considered by their neurosurgeons to be a bad back. Everything adapts to the stress imposed on it if it's allowed to recover properly. The basis of training, stress, recovery, adaptation is also the basis of rehab. Or at least it should be. It's not in outpatient physical therapy, but it should be. That's what's wrong with outpatient physical therapy. They haven't thought about it very clearly. All right, but I'm asking you to think about it, okay? All right, perhaps you've covered this before, Jacqueline asks. Maybe you could address barbell classes such as body pump that have become so popular in the last 20 years and why this is not strength training. I watched a five-minute squat track and counted the number of reps at 124 reps in five minutes. Okay, now, so many people I talk to, including certified fitness professionals, just don't get the difference between exercise and training. 
or why training progressively to build strength is as important as we age. Jacqueline, I don't either. It seems perfectly obvious to me that anything you can do for 124 reps is not really the type of load that would cause a strength adaptation to take place. If it's light enough to do 124 reps with, honey, it's not light. It's not heavy enough to make you any stronger. This is the same thing as doing 100 air squats. 100 air squats makes you sore, and that's all. That's all it does. You don't get stronger doing air squats. You get stronger doing sets of five with five more pounds than you lifted last time. That's how you get stronger. Nothing else is going to make you stronger. 124 reps, anything is not going to make you stronger. Any more than running five miles is going to make you stronger. All right. Now, that seems perfectly obvious to us. And I've written a whole lot of stuff about this. It's on the website, many articles that deal with training versus exercise. And, uh, no, I'm with you. I don't understand. There are lots and lots of exercise professionals that don't know anything about what it is they're supposed to be doing. Okay. Uh, if you want to do calisthenics and you want to call yourself an exercise professional, then you go right ahead and do it. And if the market wants calisthenics, then they'll pay you for it. You know, everybody gets to decide for themselves what they want to do. I am of the opinion that everybody should be responsible for at least learning a few things about what you're about to spend money on before you spend the money on it. Because if you do, then you're making a better investment than if you just throw the thing at a spin class or a body pump class or whatever they call it. Right? This comes up a lot. Okay, Fred's asking, he's 60 years of age, and his physician highly recommended testosterone treatment. Do you feel TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, is a safe thing to do at my age? I hear and see all the things on TV that say it's dangerous to do. Just looking for some outside advice on making a decision on what to do. Your input would be helpful. My input is go get on some testosterone. You're 60. It's low. Now, let's 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 discuss this because this is this is terribly important. They when you go get your testosterone level checked, blood tests that are that are done at the lab will have will test for a, a a chemical in this case testosterone the testosterone level measured in the blood will be referenced against a range of what the test considers normal in other words in testosterone it just depends on the reference range that that is that this particular lab uses but the reference range might be 200 nanograms per deciliter up to 795 grams per deciliter, nanograms per deciliter. Okay, that's the reference range. Now, you're supposed to be, supposed to be somewhere in that range. 
all right? Guess what happens if you're at the low end of that range? Different things than if you're at the high end of that range. Now, what determines your position in the range? Well, individual shit determines where you are in that range. If your testosterone is normally lower, as it might be when you're 60 years old, you show up in the low end of the range, uh, that would be considered normal because you're older and older men have lower levels of testosterone than younger men who might show up at the top end of that range. Here's a better question. How did they determine that reference range? Well, I think if you could get somebody to answer that question for you, what they would say is, well, we looked at 10,000 people and the, the median value or the average value for those 10,000 people was somewhere in the vicinity of 475 nanograms per deciliter. And then we just arbitrarily went three standard deviations up, three standard deviations down, and established that as the reference range. What does that have to do with where you want your testosterone? Okay. Uh, you want your testosterone at the age of 60 as high as you can get it. All right. And all this shit about it being dangerous, that's, you know, sure you can find that, but you can find just as many places on the internet that say it's not dangerous and it's, and it's not, you know, hell, I, that for years, the, uh, the rumor was that testosterone caused prostate cancer. Now, how much sense does that make? I mean, really, uh, who gets prostate cancer? You know, most of the time, you know, a very small percentage of people that have prostate cancer that ends up with a very horrible, very invasive, fast-moving prostate prostate cancer. But that's less than 5% of the patients. I think Dan Fogelberg had that, right? And it's a terrible tragedy when that occurs, but vast majority of prostate cancers occur in old men. And the vast majority of the time, you die with prostate cancer, not from prostate cancer. And what are the testosterone levels of old men? Well, they're low. Okay? So did testosterone cause the prostate cancer or not? I don't think you can say that. In fact, I saw a deal a couple of weeks ago uh, where the there have been some interesting urologists that have realized that they're going to treat prostate cancer with testosterone. Look it up. Um, I don't know what would be dangerous about it. I think you ought to try testosterone. I think if you'll do it for a month, you will be equipped to decide whether you want to continue to do it or not. Uh, be aware that the most profound effects of testosterone replacement therapy are psychological mood sleep sense of well-being all that stuff is is immediately affected 
by elevated levels of testosterone. And Fred, if you've ever found yourself driving home from work in the afternoon and you just find yourself listening to a Barry Manilow song and crying for no apparent reason, Freddie, get some testosterone. Trust me. Do it. Do it now. You won't look back. Yes, I recommend it. Okay. Now, here's a, this is related. Here's an interesting thing here. Uh, Bob Moan's squat cage. He's doing a novice program. 37 years old. He's six foot, 200 pounds. Three sets of five. Uh, has gone from uh, squats, gone from 185 to 370. Uh, bench has gone from 155 to 245. Deadlift has gone from 175 to 400. Uh, and he's chinning body weight for three sets of 10. He's got bicep tendonitis bothering his press. He's run through his novice progression to the point where he's doing one set of five work and then one more set as many as he can do, usually one to three, apparently one to three sets. Back off sets at 90. He's gotten prematurely exotic with all this back off stuff, but that's what everybody likes to do. So uh, he does some rows. Uh, he's missed three workouts due to a wedding. He's asked himself the first three questions. He gets seven to eight hours of sleep. He rests five to six minutes per set. And he's getting 4,000 calories a day, a lot of milk and eggs. And I guess his question is, he thinks he's stuck. I don't know that he's stuck. I don't think he's resting long enough between his sets, five to six minutes once you get up to the weights he's handling, it's not enough rest between sets. Not at all. You need to double your rest between sets. Uh, Ten minutes should be considered a minimum between sets. This is not conditioning. You're trying You're training for strength. That may fix the whole damn thing. But the, the first thing that jumps out at me here is the rest between sets. All right, at... Um, six foot and 200 pounds i think you need to gain 20 pounds too at, at least maybe 25 30 pounds i think you ought to try to go on up in body weight you're 37 you're not going to get fat doing that so just give that some thought okay nick asks says not asks he says i'm bored i've been training starting strength methodology nearly a decade Having competed in powerlifting, strength lifting enough for now, and have trained several dozens of friends throughout that time. Best platform numbers are 500 squat, 220 press, 520 deadlift, at 24 years old, 5'6 and 185. He's busy in academia, trains regularly, no desire to compete right now. Keep me interested, though, I have recently delved into the niche world of grip training. Yes, I know how to train my grip for deadlifting. Deadlift. I do that. I'm talking instead about the old exploits.
Joe Rogan. He keeps interrupting. No, Joe, no. Quit calling me. All right. Let's see. In fact, let me just turn that ringer off there because he'll call back. He always does. All right. He's uh, talking about captains of crush, grippers, farmers, holds, bending nails, hub, pulls, this kind of stuff. All right. Yeah, we used to have a grip page on the on the forum. Grip is a very difficult thing to train specifically. All right. Now let's look at why that might be. Okay. What are the things that determine grip strength? It's grip strength is a form of arm training. All right. Forearms, hand muscles. You know, these are all of course anchored from the upper back and stuff. And, uh, Typically, bigger men have stronger grips than smaller men. So there is a there's a total body component to it, but hanging on to an an odd shaped object or closing a gripper, these are all predicated on a a few little muscles down at the distal end of your arms. They're limited by that. Now, some people have just got brutally strong grips. There's There are guys that can close that Captain's a Crush number four gripper. Uh, I have never been able to get close to that. Okay. Now, I can still hang on to it, my advanced age. I can hang on to 405 for a single rack pull without any straps. Okay. Previously, when I was younger, I could I pulled 495 off the floor for sets of five with no straps, with a double overhand grip. So I had a decent grip, but I nothing certainly like the Gillingham boys that have that have specialized in this stuff. There are people with freaky strong grips, but I kind of think that some of that's genetic, and I kind of think that the 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 fewer the muscles are involved in an exercise, the harder that's going to be to train. This is kind of the difference between assistance work and primary structural exercise. For example, you can train your deadlift for decades. Uh, maybe an exaggeration. 15 years. You can make your, make your deadlift stronger for years and years and years if you train it. You can take your deadlift up to 800 pounds. You know, if you if you approach it correctly, you're a big enough guy. Deadlift can 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 continue to get strong over a powerlifting career that might span fifteen or twenty years. All right. In contrast, how long can you improve your back extension, your weighted back extension? About six weeks, maybe eight weeks. But you can't take your weighted back extension from an empty 45-pound bar to 405 because things will break long before you get to 405 because there are fewer muscles involved in that and there are, there are limitations in the structures that allow that strength to continue to progress. You know, I, I think the heaviest I ever got a weighted back extension, I think I did 185 for eight one time. And 
could tell that 195 was going to disarticulate my knees. All right. There's just, there are limitations on your ability to train a movement for a long period of time. And those limitations involve how many joints and how much muscle mass is involved in the movement. If your whole body is involved in it, you can train it. If it is a barbell curl, you can't. Okay. I, you know, I hesitate to recommend, I've heard people do this, you know, use sets of five weighted sets of five on chins. Uh, my shoulders won't tolerate that. I've tried it and I, I just, I can't, uh, get that kind of training effect out of, out of an exercise like chin-ups, deadlifts, squats, presses, bench presses. Uh, the Olympic lifts can be trained because they're large structural exercises that involve the whole body. They're trained in a different way than, than deadlifts and squats are, but nonetheless, they can make progress for years and years. Grip training, I don't think really uh, responds that way. Now, though, you, I, I'd like to hear from you about that. If you think that uh, you have increased your grip strength for years and years and years, I'd like to know how much of that increase you feel has been a result of specific grip training and how much of that increase has been the result of you just growing because you were got you got your deadlift, your squat, and your big structural exercises up. Uh, be interesting to talk to you about that. Okay. All right, here's an interesting question. Derek asks us, he's a 58-year-old male, 160 pounds, worked out my entire life beginning with weights at 13. I'd say he's a little underweight unless he's a short guy, all right? But he doesn't tell me how tall he is, so I don't know that for sure. He was a sprinter in his early years, transitioned to longer runs, competing in marathons, halves, 10Ks, and 5Ks. This would explain his light body weight. Uh, tried P90X and injured his elbows. Uh, been working, started strength program, five butts. Squats are advanced beyond my deadlift. I'm trying to correct that by holding my squat weight at 210 and bringing the deadlift to 240. So his weights are, are fairly light right now. At 240, Rep number two, felt the pull of my right hip and my lower back. Caused some inflammation. This is on his deadlift. Drive back to 30. Rep five, same pull, lower lower back. All right. Here's what I would suggest. When, when, when you get a, a persistent lower back injury on one side like that, the first thing I would want to do is measure your leg. I think you may have a leg length discrepancy. Uh, there is an article on the website where I detail that process, and I would think I would, if I were you, I'd get somebody to check you for a leg length discrepancy. It may be something as easily correctable as that. It's certainly worth taking the 10 minutes to, to lay down on the floor and have somebody do this for you. Okay. All right, here's a, this is a real weird-ass question here now. Coach Rip, I'm 63 years of age and enjoys starting strength program immensely. 
while not a diabetic. I have developed neuropathy, which is numbness, in the soles of both feet, making balance in the squat and deadlift not impossible, but increasingly difficult. Would you have some advice for me? Yes, I would. A diagnosis is what I would, that would be my advice for you. All right. Now, neuropathy in the soles of the feet is very, very commonly associated with diabetic changes. If you've got type 2 diabetes and it's badly controlled, if you've had it for some time and, and you start getting the peripheral symptoms of type 2 diabetes, uh, the first thing you should do is be checked for diabetes because that's probably what's going on. You say you're not a diabetic. Well, how else would you explain bilateral sole of your foot neuropathy? Do you know another explanation for that? I certainly don't. I would say that whoever checked you for diabetes might not have done it correctly. The first thing I would do would be eliminate the obvious possibilities. And diabetes is one of the most obvious possibilities. And until you get that eliminated for sure, then you don't know what's going on. But whatever is happening, you need an explanation for it. And that's the most obvious one. And if that's the most obvious one, uh, I would assume that the people that told you you didn't have diabetes uh, need to be second opinioned, okay? Uh, let's see here. Eh, I don't want to deal with that one right now. What's your Rip, what's your opinion on indoor rowing machines like Concept 2? Can these be useful for increasing strength? Or just another expensive cardio gizmo? Well, Christopher, we... We, we kind of talked about this earlier. What is strength? Strength is a production of force against an external resistance. Unless you're rowing for a set of 10 with, or a 5 with the heaviest resistance that you can row, which is not what you do on a Concept 2, then you're not developing strength. A Concept 2 rower is an aerobic exercise machine. It's a very good one but it's not a strength device at all. It's not strength training. Running is not strength training. Rowing is not strength training. Riding a bicycle is not strength training. Walking on a treadmill or an elliptical is not strength training. It's for heart rate. So no, you can't, you, this is a fundamental misunderstanding. And it's, and the only reason I threw this in here is because, uh, I think there are a lot of people that are just coming into this material that haven't really thought about it like this. Anything you can do for five minutes, like swing a kettlebell, is not a maximum force production event and therefore cannot train your ability to maximally produce force, which is what strength training is. All right? This is going to upset all the kettlebell people. But what you guys are doing, if anything you do against the clock is not strength training. It's conditioning. It's not the same thing. 
it's not the same thing. If you PR something for time, it's not a strength training event. Now, at first, it might make you stronger, but riding a bicycle at first makes you stronger. For a rank novice who's never got up out of the chair and put his video game thing down, anything is strength training. But that that lasts about a week, right? And uh, a Concept 2 rower is not strength training, and neither is kettlebells. So just think about the what we're doing here what is strength and that answers lots and lots of these types of questions uh david says i have a condition called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo bppv even with treatment i have occasional episodes of vertigo when lying flat well it must be hell to sleep i bet you've had a lot of trouble with that haven't you the condition occurs randomly on the bench press and even the inclined bench. I have no problems with the other lift. The other lifts, what programming, uh, what, if anything, might be a good replacement for the bench press? I'm 60 years old. I did the LP. I'm doing beginner intermediate programming uh, with numbers that indicate that you probably had a little bit left. Well, maybe not. You're 60. Uh, stop the bench at 200. Uh, David, in a situation like this, I don't know that you need to bench. Uh, I don't, especially if you are not, uh, training with, uh, with a, with a spotter. If you're not training with a spotter and you get vertigo in the middle of a rep, I don't think you want to want to be in a situation where you even drop this thing on the pins. Uh, you can hurt your shoulder dropping the barbell on the pins. You get twisted around and one side goes lower than the other. You can hurt your shoulder dropping it on the pins. I don't think under these circumstances that you have any particular need to bench press. If the press, the squat, the deadlift are all working fine for you, just take the bench press, certainly the inclined bench, just take that out of the program. Because, I mean, you're going to fuck around and hurt something, you don't want to do that. And you'll get what you need as a 60-year-old guy out of a program that omits the bench press. It's not perfect, but in a situation like yours, that's what you probably need to do. All right, uh, let's see who said this. Uh, no name. No, here he is. Mike from Tuckerton, New Jersey, says he had a bilateral knee replacement three years ago. Bilateral knee replacement. When people describe it like that, they typically mean they did both knees under the same anesthesia, which is good if you can get them to do that. Get it over with. If you need both knees done, just have them put you to sleep once. Right? He's recently started the program, and he's happy with the progress after three years without any notable gains. I'm not having any issues with knee pain. No, typically you won't either. He's curious if he should modify the program due to the knee replacements. Any thoughts are welcome. Uh, our buddy Phil Anderson has had a bilateral knee replacement. His is about, oh, I, he had that done at least 10 years ago. And Phil's, Phil's stupid. Okay, Phil's, <laughs> Phil's dumb. He's deadlifted 600 on those knees. 
for no discernible reason. Uh, he squatted way up in the fours on those knees. Uh, the only caveat, he's, he doesn't really go but about a half inch above parallel. That's as deep as he'll go. I don't know your – I've seen a lot of people with replaced knees that could get below parallel without any trouble. My uh, uh, client, Nick. He's got both knees replaced, and he can he, squat just fine. He, he squats below parallel. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yep, this happens all the time. It's a, it's a rather uh, – anymore, it's common surgery. Anymore, it's uh, – if you are uh, an orthopedic surgeon, you've done a bunch of knees this year. Uh, it's, it's good surgery. Uh, it's way better than being crippled. Even if you're 37 and your knees are destroyed, don't let the – the guy talk you into waiting till you're 52 to have your knees replaced. Why wait 15 years to train? You know what you're giving up by not being strong, by not being able to squat and get stronger. Uh, I, I never have understood that reasoning, but uh, so no knee surgeries, uh, knee replacement surgery is good. It's one of the more wonderful developments of the 20th century. And uh, it's, it's made a lot of people's lives a whole lot better. That and hip replacements have made people's lives better. Avail yourself of that, and don't be afraid to train on these things. I've had way too many personal experiences with training clients with knee replacements. They're just fine. They're just fine. Go ahead and get it. Just go ahead and squat. You'll be fine. How, how old was he? Uh, let's see what he said. I don't remember if he said. Let's see. He said he was. No, he didn't say how old he was. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Uh, squat. You're fine. You know, if for some reason you don't have full range of motion, and that's some people don't. Wilson had both his knees done. He hadn't got really full range of motion, but he's gotten down to within a half inch of a parallel. Even Wilson's. With, with so Nick, he was starting to have some pain when we were going up five pounds regularly. Right. So I slowed down, and we're going up five pounds every two or three weeks. Right. And that seemed to take care of all of the pain right. that he was having. Okay. Well, yeah, but but you know, it, everyone's experience. All of us that are that coach these movements, uh, we've all had experience with people with replaced knees, and everybody gets better. Everybody can squat. Everybody can deadlift. I don't see any point going up to challenge the structural integrity of the actual prosthesis itself. You don't need to do that to derive the benefits of strength training, but you need to squat. And don't let anybody tell you you can't, because we know better than that. We know that you can, okay? Uh, here's an interesting one. We're getting to the end of the pile here, aren't we? Uh, have you ever found, this is David, it asks, have you ever found cardio exercise, cardio is in quotes, uh, to be useful for getting rid of lower back pain? I've been dealing with low back pain for over a month. In the past, lifting very lightweight would help with lower back pain, and I could get back to training in a week or two. This time, lifting light made the pain worse. Surprisingly, I found that using an elliptical machine helped. My back pain is almost gone, and I hope to get back under the bar soon and get back to training. Why do you think that doing cardio has helped? And do you have any suggestions on how to get back to training without re-aggravating my back? Uh, 
And he's, you know, typed a whole bunch of other shit on here. But I, this is all we need to know. Okay. Sometimes humans' backs hurt. Everybody's back hurts from time to time. You and I and Rusty and everybody else we know has had back pain at one time or another. It's just part of the human condition. Everybody on the planet will have or has had back pain. All right? Sometimes that back pain can be associated with a specific injury. And in your case, the back pain may be associated with doing one of the lifts incorrectly. Uh, I can't say without seeing it. But let's assume you're doing correct form, correct technique in the squat and deadlift and the press. All right. Guess what? You might still have back pain every once in a while. You might still have back pain because people tweak their backs. Now, that having been said, if everybody on the planet has had back pain, but 99% of the people on the planet don't have any back pain right now. What does that tell you? Back pain gets better. Back pain always gets better. Whether you do anything to it or not, back pain gets better. And whether you do anything to your back or not, your back is probably going to hurt from time to time. This is just the human condition, and I let me be the first to apologize to you for that. But the, the situation is that you say or you think that cardio fixed your back. I would submit that cardio did not fix your back. I would say that three weeks fixed your back. Uh, I used to think that it was, it was useful to do some walking after you hurt your back. Walking is useful, but I don't think that you can say that walking fixes your low back. I think that if you hurt your back and you walk and the back gets better, that the back was going to get better anyway. And you happen to be walking when it did. This is the same thing I think that has happened on your elliptical. All right. I, your back is going to heal. Your back's going to get better. 95% of back pain is just local back pain. I'm not talking about the kind of back pain that radiates down your leg and makes your leg numb and makes you shit yourself and stuff like that that indicates a serious spinal derangement. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 95% of back pain that is local back pain that hurts maybe real, real, real bad but it goes away. It goes away. It's going to go away whether you do cardio. It's going to go away whether you deadlift or squat. It's going to go away anyway because back pain heals up. It usually takes two to three weeks to completely go away. And if during that period of time you laid off, you're going to attribute the absence of the back pain to the layoff, I would attribute it to the three weeks because it's been my experience having had back pain off and on all my life 
and treated people in the gym that have had back pain off and on and dealing with it on a daily basis for 40 years. Back pain comes on. Sometimes there's a discernible reason why it happens. Sometimes there's a click. Sometimes there's a movement. Sometimes something pops. Sometimes something actually happens. Sometimes you just wake up with your back hurt. All these things get better because everything heals, except cancer. Everything heals, okay? And uh, I've got, you know, I've got a, I've got a chart of the low back. Uh, one of these anatomical chart company charts of the low back, and they have got tumors drawn all over the lower spinal area. In this, in this poster, there's tumors drawn in there as apparently the anatomical chart company's explanation for why your back hurts. Tumors? Tumors. <laughs> That's just the weirdest goddamn thing you've ever seen. But look, boys and girls, everybody's back hurts, and everybody's back gets better. I don't think that you can attribute your back getting better to the, to the elliptical. I think it's the time. Now, Next time you have a back pain, try something else. Try deadlifting. I've deadlifted so many times with my back hurting because it was deadlift day and I needed to make my numbers. So I deadlifted. It didn't hurt it. Didn't help it. Didn't hurt it though. I've squat. I have, hell, I remember a time about, God, I remember one day, uh, eight or nine years ago, uh, this is when I discovered that sit-ups were not good for your low back. Uh, sit-ups and back extensions. Wiggling around a less than original equipment spine is probably not a good idea. Uh, your spine likes to be held rigid. It doesn't like to do sit-ups. It doesn't like to do back extensions. And you can aggravate it doing sit-ups and back extensions. I'd not done any sit-ups. For months and months and months, and I was going to show this guy that I could still, in fact, in the absence of having done any sit-ups, do 25-pound crunches for a set of 10. I did a set of 10 crunches with 25 pounds, got up off of the bench, and my back was tweaked. And I thought, well, aren't I a prized dumbass? <laughs> Mr. Goddamn Intelligence, Right. And it was squat day. So you know what I did? I put my belt on. I went out and squatted the numbers I was going to squat that day. Hurt. It didn't hurt any worse. Back still hurt. Put the belt on. Did the set of squats. Got out from under the squats. Back felt exactly the same. Felt like shit. Didn't make any worse. Didn't make any better. Back pain's a weird thing. It's the it's perhaps the only pain that everyone in the world will have at some point in their lives. It's a common human experience, and I think we should just use it as a bonding mechanism. <laughs> Everybody here and in communist China and in Siberia and in Tierra del Fuego and the Mongolian desert and sub-Saharan Africa, and Tasmania, everybody on earth has had back pain. 
So let's just use this as a, a nice way to have fellowship with one another, to reinforce our common humanity, even though, you know, the rest of the time we hate each other's guts, okay? Uh, we all at least hurt the same way from time to time. Uh, and that's probably enough of this shit for today. My back hurts anyway, and we're tired of being here. You're tired of listening. I'm tired of talking. So uh, I'd like to, to uh, thank the boys at Massonomics for the T-shirt. This is the only baby shit yellow T-shirt I own. And God, it looks good, doesn't it? Uh, visit their website. There are lots of interesting, amusing things over there for you to look at. I appreciate them sending us this thing. Uh, What else? Anything else we need to talk about? Nah. Ah, Let's get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Start a drink radio. See you next Friday.